to the Starting With One podcast with Robin Bailey and Al McDonald. Our goal is to provide our audience with interesting, relevant information on Canadian healthcare, financial and estate planning issues, and running a business. With each episode, Robin and Al will be exploring topics that matter to you. Starting With One is built off of our experience that we enhance the lives of many starting with one. Every great story that we get to share all started with one phone call, one conversation, or one meeting. These are the stories that make us very proud to do what we do, and it all starts with one. Welcome back to the Starting With One podcast. I'm your host, Robin Bailey, and with me via Zoom is my co-host and business partner, Al McDonald. Hey, Al. Great to be here again. Yeah, great to see you. (laughs) Well, back by very popular demand, you and I were talking about this over the last week or so. We had Ian Ash, who is the co-founder of Dig Insights on, and had a lot of interesting conversations after that podcast with a lot of other business owners. And there's a lot of demand to have Ian back. So we've got Ian back today. Just as a reminder, Dig is a market research and technology company. Ian's company has been doing some research and he's back to share some information on uh, some of the reporting. Welcome back to the show, Ian. Oh, thanks for having me back. Yeah, good to have you. It's actually a shame you were sharing some of the uh, information you're going to talk about on Zoom today. It's a shame we don't have this on video as well. So maybe that's something we look to for the future. But for now, let's uh, talk about some of the information you're going to share. So Dig has been running studies about people's attitudes, behaviors related to COVID-19. Can you tell me a little bit about those studies? Sure. Yeah, we've done it a couple of different ways. So certainly we do proprietary studies for our clients and across a bunch of different categories, definitely have questions about how COVID-19, how the crisis is impacting their businesses. And we'll do that on an ad hoc basis. Then we've done a series of, we have a self-serve SaaS platform called Upside, where we've run studies like actions that can protect or enhance your company reputation during COVID-19, food delivery solutions consumers appreciate most during COVID-19. And no big surprise there, number one there was free delivery. So that sort of thing. But then probably the most interesting is this tracking study that we've started running. And the tracking study, we do it in both Canada and the U.S., and we do 3,000 people in each country. And so we've been running that. Our latest wave ran from April 26th to May 6th, so very recently out of field with that. And in that study, we ask everything from what's your awareness and concern levels around covid We look at some attitudinal statements to say, are there different types of reactions that different groups of people are having? And then we get into some really deep category views. So we look at everything from CPG goods, financial services, insurance, you guys would probably be interested in that, shopping malls, alcohol and cannabis use, coffee use, breakfast, gyms, and then a whole bunch of things like snacking and, you know, movies and streaming and media, that sort of thing. So we ask a whole bunch of deep dive questions on all of those extra categories with a slightly smaller sample. So I have an advantage here, Ian, that I've got your screen in front of me. I can see some of this stuff uh, and it all looks pretty interesting, but obviously for the people who don't have this in front of them, which is everybody that's listening so far, what have you found the most important findings? I think what's interesting out of the most recent wave is that Even though we're really still, depending on what metric you use, if you go according to what, you know, the Canadian government and or the Ontario government, if you're in Ontario, are stating, we're kind of at the beginning of this downward slope. 
certainly in terms of deaths, but also in terms of infection rates, but it's pretty gradual. And all the models show that it's a very gradual slope down. It's not a sharp slope like they had in, in places like Italy, but the level of concern seems to have already peaked. So back around April 3rd, the percentage of people who said that they were very concerned about COVID-19 was 57, so almost 60% of the population. And that fell, you know, April 29th, it fell down to 47%. And now May 6th, which is the most recent wave we'd had, that fell down to 46, so 47, 46. So it's kind of stabilized. And so people aren't quite as concerned necessarily about the virus itself as they potentially were. So that kind of hit its peak. But then obviously the economy is not doing particularly well. Like if we look, this is not from my data, this is available data. The jobless rate in April jumped up to 13% from 7.8% in March. And so while let's call it like the panic around the virus itself has potentially begun to stabilize and maybe even decrease slightly, the worry concern about economic factors is just beginning to ramp up. And, and, And in some cases, people are beginning to get a somewhat more negative view of that. So if I look at the percentage of people who thought that things were going to be better or return to normal sort of in a three to six month span, just back April 29th, that was 50% of the population. Now it's only 44% of the population with now a much larger portion of people thinking it's going to be one to two years away. So we're beginning to see some of these other concerns, particularly the economy, beginning to get increase, even while we're potentially seeing perceptions of the virus decrease. And that perception of the virus going down might actually not be true, of course. We might get hit by a second wave, but at least the panic seems to, at least for now, sort of peaked. Ian, it's interesting, just on your comments about the perception of the the virus, we were doing our groceries in Metro on the weekend. And I remember the first time that we had gone into Metro when this was happening and people were donning masks and gloves and everything. And people would actually look at you as you came into their aisle and either turn around or, you know, look scared and try to avoid you at all costs. And when we were in there on the weekend, short of people wearing face masks, it was a very normal experience, except for one lady that we passed in an aisle. She, as we went by, she turned her head and and I'm sure I heard her hold her breath as we went by. So obviously there's still people quite concerned about it. The business owners that I talk to on a daily basis, of course, you're one of them, echo exactly what you're saying, the perception of the virus and maybe getting back to somewhat normal life and not fearing to leave your house is coming down a little bit. But, you know, most of the clients that I talk to say we're at least two years of feeling this before we start to see some recovery. So it's interesting to hear your comments. Have there been any surprising findings that you had out of this study? Yeah, I mean, I think there was a whole bunch, whether you're personally surprised or not, I'm not sure. But I think there was a few things that I found surprising, in some cases concerning. Let me just start with, we kind of looked at it through three lenses. We looked at it in terms of reaction to the virus uh, or the virus itself. Then we looked at it in terms of a reaction overall that people are having. And then we looked at the reactions in terms of how they're buying and what their economic reactions are. And if we look at just in terms of how they're reacting emotionally, 63% of people said, I'm worried about the mental health of other people in my life. 41% of people said, I feel more depressed lately. So there's that danger on that negative side. Now, surprisingly to me, a lot of people said, 80% of people actually said, 
agreed with the statement, our current situation is a chance for us to rethink our priorities. And 61% said, I'm appreciating taking life slower at this time. To me, at least, maybe it's because, you know, <laughs> maybe I'm more cynical, but there seems to be a lot of people looking for silver linings here more than I would have potentially expected. You know, 80% of people saying this is a chance for us to rethink our priorities. That's definitely an interesting take. But there's kind of like this dichotomy. There's a bunch of people who feel like, oh, this is good. I'm spending more time with my family. And then there's some other people who are getting pretty depressed. And if we look at some of their behaviors, I think that's coming out in their behaviors. So in the previous wave of our study, again, April 29th, 53% of people said that they were drinking more than they used to. And that's not just like they're drinking more at home, they're drinking more in total. Now that's gone down a little bit, probably thankfully, in this latest wave. But certainly if there's a lot of people who've been at home and they've been nervous and, and, and stressed and anxious, it seems like one of the ways that they've been dealing with that is you know, alcohol usage. Some of that maybe has been okay. Some of that's been social. Interestingly, we talked about this in the last time that we spoke. Over half of people said that they've used a conference software to have drinks with others. So that's nice. That's social. I think it's more the people who have just started ramping up their own alcohol consumption all on their own is probably more concerning. And also, if we look at cannabis usage, similar numbers. So I'm consuming more cannabis these days because I'm bored. That actually increased five points from the previous study. That's also 50% of the population is saying that among people who consume cannabis at all. So I think, I think that's surprising is just how different people's reactions are. Some people are looking at the bright side. And then there's this, actually a smaller group of people, but who seem to be very negatively impacted by that. The one number that you touch on, Ian, that, that concerns me as an employer, but also as someone, you know, an employee benefits consultant is, you know, 41% feel more depressed lately. And that's a big concern. And I, I said to my wife early on in this, and I said, I do have some concerns about the long-term health effects, depending on how long this goes. And obviously we're starting to see that if people are feeling that. And we've put a, a few things out through, through Life Legacy and ARIA Benefits. There's a great resource for anybody listening. I believe uh, the website is Mind, M-I-N-D-B-E-A-C-O-N, Mind Beacon. It's free for all Canadians, and it is access to resources for people struggling with mental health. And of course, most of the carriers have stepped up to the bat with some sort of virtual platform for mental health. So there are resources for people to get out there. That's a big concern. Yeah, as you know, of course, we, we have our benefits with you. And definitely, we know that there's been an increased usage of the members assistance program or the counseling. Yeah, I think we're probably not so different than a lot of other companies. There's just a lot of anxiety out there. And people sure. are feeling alone, and they're feeling depressed. And some of them are starting to drink more and consume more cannabis. It's a bit concerning. Yeah. Going back to that uh, one thing that you mentioned before, maybe I'm one of the people that looks at things with the glass half full a little bit, but it's interesting because I was having a conversation just this morning with someone and uh, we were talking about all these things. And this was before uh, we saw any of your results here. So this is interesting. But one of the things that we talked about was, you know what, this gives us the chance to kind of reprioritize stuff and, uh, you know, look at some things that maybe we thought were really important previously and now aren't as important. So it's just interesting that you came up with it, that 80% of the people had said that because that's, that was exactly our conversation this morning. 
You want to add anything to that? Yeah, we took all of those statements and we did what's called a segmentation, which means it looks for people that group together because they have similar types of views on an issue or a topic. And in this case, obviously, it was all around the impacts of, of the crisis. And we found that it was this sort of 7% group that was completely indifferent to it. They weren't concerned at all. They weren't really following the news. They're not worried about getting sick. They're not worried about their job. They actually skewed older and lower income. What's interesting is it's not necessarily who you would think would be indifferent to something like this. The younger, higher income males group, who you would probably think would be indifferent to this, they actually fell into this group that we called cautiously confident. So they're confident that things are going to get better, but they still have concerns about job security but they do remain relatively confident that the economy is going to recover and the, and the government's handling things well. But this most indifferent group is actually older and lower income. And then the next group to that, which we're calling optimists, again, skews older. So even though the virus hits 65 plus year olds much more than it does younger people, if we look at almost 30% of the population that's either indifferent or completely optimistic about this entire situation, partly it's that they've been through more. So they've been through more hardship in their lives and they're kind of like, well, we'll get through this too. But also they're just not that worried. Like The people who are most vulnerable, they skew heavily female and almost a third of them are now currently being unemployed and they're just, they're feeling overwhelmed and generally pessimistic about the current situation. That's a group that we call the vulnerables, and that was about 17% of the population. I'm sure part of that segment that are maybe even indifferent or optimists, I guess it would depend a little bit on the age, but again, this came up in our conversation this morning with this other person I was talking to. If you lived through World War II, this is nothing. And I'm sure some of these people did, right? <laughs> so <laughs> maybe some of that puts it into perspective if you've, you've lived, like you say, you've been around a little bit longer and you've lived through some stuff that's uh, more serious than this. We do have an older group, which is a full quarter of the population who definitely, they skew the oldest. So those are the people who are much older. You know, right. those are the people who are probably 70 plus years old in many cases. And they're definitely worried about the illness itself. They're not so worried about many of the other effects because they're obviously retired. That's where they kind of split. Either they're very worried about their health or they're kind of... <laughs> They're kind of living it up and kind of like, uh, it's not going to get me. One thing we've forgotten, or most people have forgotten about, you know, we always talk about the Spanish flu, which was 1918. There was actually the, I think it was H3N, was it one or three in 68, was another pandemic that killed a million people worldwide and 100,000 people in the US. And people don't talk about that pandemic. They don't really remember that pandemic, but these people would have lived through that. And they were like, well, we didn't social distance then. Why are we, why are we making a big deal of it now? Yeah. So let's uh, switch gears a little bit. Do you want to talk about what these things mean for a business uh, in the short, medium, and long term? What are your thoughts around that? Sure. I mean, I think what's interesting from a business point of view is a positive thing is that almost 80% of people, 79% of people said that they have some level of confidence that they can cope with the financial impact of the current economy. Almost 70% of people say they're, they're trying to limit their spending, however. Over half are saying they're delaying or canceling big expenses. So over half of people are, are saying, I'm not going to buy a new car. I'm not going to make big changes, uh, potentially big giant renovations to my home. Although we did have a deep dive section on home improvement, and a lot of people are undertaking small things around the house, obviously, because they have extra time on their hands. But only a quarter of people think 
that the economy is going to be strong in six months. So definitely the, the general outlook for most people is pretty cynical in terms of how the economy is going to recover. Most people are going to try to save more. They're sitting on more of their money. They're delaying big purchases. All of those things are certainly concerning. And then there's these added safety concerns too, which is that people are really worried about going to any kind of enclosed store at all. So 36% said they're very concerned about going to like a Walmart, for instance, or a mass merchandiser with another 50% saying they're somewhat concerned. So in total, 86% there, 85% saying they're worried about going to enclosed malls. Again, similar numbers if we look across anything. So club stores, dollar stores, we're looking at greater than 80% of people very concerned to go into those types of stores. And even if there was a vaccine, I think that's even more concerning. Even if there was a vaccine, we can see very large portions of the population, 16% very concerned, 45% somewhat concerned to go to a, a Walmart, even if there was a vaccine available. I think there's two big things here. We've been on this kind of, I don't want to say death watch, the mass merchandisers, definitely the department stores, and certainly malls in the US have taken a bigger hit than they have in Canada. But the malls as well have been a concern for a long time. We all know that this has expedited their financial challenges. And it looks as though even if we have some of these best case scenarios like vaccines, we're still talking about much more than 50% of the population being very or somewhat concerned to go into these types of stores. So I think that's troubling from a recovery point of view. It's interesting. You know, there's certain things that I, I really don't uh, question doing right now. And, and one of them is going into the grocery store and it's about as comfortable as it's been since this started. And I don't have a lot of concern. Obviously, I take all the proper precautions. But there are certain activities where I can't, at this point, imagine doing, you know, going to the movies, especially with Netflix and Prime. And, you know, I can't imagine sitting in a room with people uh, just for the benefit of, you know, watching a movie on a big screen. So I think, I think you're right, Ian. I think even with the vaccine, I think there are certain things that won't go back. And otherwise, maybe for other things, maybe it'll just be a very slow return to, you know, what we're calling normal. Ian, as you were going through this, and, and this is fantastic information, and, and, I, and I wish we, we had the benefit of this information being sitting in front of our clients, so maybe they can reach out to you for this information afterwards. But were there any um, findings that you found particularly troubling or concerning as you were going through this? Yeah, I think some of these findings specifically around what they would do in the situation where there's a vaccine, I think those are troubling because, you know, if you look at the way the stock market reacted, even just yesterday, Moderna came out and said that the creation of antibodies in their test subjects for people who had been testing their new vaccine and the stock market shot up, I think it was like 200 points. It was a crazy one day rally. Everyone's saying, oh, wow, a vaccine's going to come out. And I think some of these fears and behaviors are going to be ingrained for a little bit longer than that. And even if we do have a vaccine, people are going to be afraid of large groups and they're definitely afraid of enclosed shopping areas for a while. I mean, even 57% of people say, even after a vaccine, I'm going to be worried about going to grocery stores. That's troubling. And if we combine that with obviously everyone's doing more online shopping, and in some cases, that's very meaningful in terms of grocery stores, 18% of people said they're shopping more online now for groceries than they used to. And traditionally, they never took the bite out of grocery that they did out of like hard goods, Amazon, right? right. But 20% is a meaningful number. And if even half of those people 
continue with their online behaviors, it's going to be problematic for traditional brick and mortar stores. And then other categories have had you know, massive impacts from the percentage of people saying they're doing more online. So clothing and apparel, home furnishings and decor. We know that Wayfair had a giant stock run up recently as a result of their positioning there. Footwear, even things like health and beauty products, you know, 28% of people in the latest wave said that they're buying more of that online than they used to. So they're not going into drugstores because they're afraid. So I think all of those things are great for Amazon and hopefully great for Shopify because at least that's a Canadian success story. Not so great for a lot of traditional Canadian retailers. Those are big employers in Canada. So sure. I think that's pretty troubling. So Ian, what would you say should brands, companies, what should they be tracking over time? Are there, are there some big, big changes that you think they should be looking for or, or some key questions they should be asking themselves in the near future? Yeah. One of the things that we get a lot from either clients we have or people we're speaking to is, is it worth doing any research right now because things are going to stabilize, normalize, and maybe that's when we should be doing research. And I don't know how long you can wait because I think things are going to continue to change really quickly and we don't know exactly what direction they're going to change in. We don't know which specific behaviors are going to be affected for how long. And we also don't know what potential ways that you could be innovating could be helping your business right now. And so perhaps it's obvious that people want places, their stores that they go to to be cleaned, disinfected regularly, but is not too busy or crowded is sort of like the third most important thing in terms of where someone's going to shop in person. And that is counterintuitive for any retailer because they want to be busy, but maybe they need to be looking at new ways to innovate how they generate that traffic. Can you make appointments? How much of a role can curbside pickup play for which businesses and how well are you doing it? You know, I did Canadian Tires curbside pickup the other day. I was quite impressed. I thought they did a fantastic job in the way that it was organized, the way the cars lined up. Are you doing those things well and what could you be doing better? In what ways can you be innovating now to deal with the current environment? Because you can't just count on the current environment to go away as quickly as we would want it to. And as you do wait, people are beginning to develop new habits that in some cases, like in the case of online shopping, might actually be better for them. They might actually find that they enjoy buying clothing online more than they thought they would. Now that they're forced to do it, they might not go back to the mall because they might say, well, it was pretty good, actually. I thought it was going to be difficult, but it was actually pretty good. So I think the big things they should be tracking are just the general feelings. Like as we've seen people's, maybe their overall level of concern is beginning to flatten out a little bit about the virus, but they're still holding back on big purchases and they're still holding back on some of these other purchases. So I think you know, some of the things we're going to start tracking going forward are a whole new set of attitudinal statements. One of things I'm interested in exploring is the idea of conspicuous consumption. I had read a white paper about the idea that the Great Depression was partly prolonged because conspicuous consumption became such a negative. And so if we get to a place where people are already kind of hating on influencers and celebrities who webcast from their mansions... (laughs) Are we at the point yet where if I bought a new Camry, I'm embarrassed to have it in my driveway? Because when we get there, 
we've created a real stumbling block to our own economic recovery. Yeah. So I think there's a lot of things they should be tracking. And I also think there's a lot of things they should be testing now. They need to innovate now to deal with the current environment because you don't know how long the current environment is going to go on. And to guess at what things are going to stick around and which ones won't is a pretty risky game. So I'd rather track it through than just take guesses. Ian, great uh, information as always. We're going to wrap it up here. But anything uh, else before we go? No, that's it. We do have some of these charts that I was sharing with you guys available on our website, diginsights.com. And if you just go to the COVID-19 page, we actually shared some of this for free on there. So if they do want some of this information, they can get it there. Yeah, it's very interesting to look at. I think it'd be helpful. It'd be, I think a lot of people would get some value out of just looking at that because just myself looking here today, I learned a lot of stuff. Yeah, great info. Folks, if you're on LinkedIn, uh, look up Ian. He's a great person to follow. Very active on there and usually part of my daily read. Ian, thanks again for coming on the show. Always a pleasure to speak with you. That does it for today, folks. I hope you enjoyed this one. I know I did. We'll be back again soon with another episode. But until then, remember, it all starts with one. One.